Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hey, friends, I've been searching for someone to have this particular conversation with for at least two years. Ever since I began to understand that asexuality is actually a true orientation and not just a quote unquote excuse that people make. Unfortunately, when I approached people who identified themselves as asexual to ask if they would talk about their experience, the most frequent response I got was, I don't have sex, so I don't have anything to say. But a couple months ago, I happened to be on Twitter, a place where I don't go that frequently, on International Asexuality Day. I read through lots of threads and zeroed in on one woman who was talking about the intersection between purity culture and asexuality, two topics I find fascinating. So I reached out to Kristen by DM, which is always a weird move to private message someone and say, hey, you don't know me, but would you like to record a conversation with me about sex and your sexuality? Anyway, after taking a few minutes to confirm that I wasn't a creep or a troll, Kristen agreed to do an interview, and I am thrilled to finally share it with you today. Rather than talking more about the interview, let's just dive into it. Kristen is a 36-year-old cisgender female. She describes herself as white, asexual, demi-romantic, and she grew up in the Baptist church. She's currently single and describes her body as chonky. I am so pleased to introduce Kristen. Kristen, I'm so excited to welcome you to the podcast. I have actually been looking for a while for somebody to interview about asexuality, and the various people who I've approached have all been like, I don't really think I have anything to say. So, <laughs> so I am absolutely thrilled. Thank you for being oh, here. You're, you're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So I guess, first of all, people should know this interview is going to be very different because usually I'm diving into people's the specifics of their sex lives, and that's going to be really different with you. So let's just start with some basic definitions. What does asexuality mean to you? In the in the broader sense of asexuality, obviously, there's a lot of nuance, yeah. um, a lot of like micro labels you could use. Generally speaking, though, asexuality just means you experience little to no sexual attraction. For me, growing up is always you know you have those friends who are always like, oh look at him, I want to I want to I want to sleep with him. He's so cute. Oh my gosh, and I'm just like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> if you say so, like it 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 never made sense to me, and that was even before I even had the word asexuality to describe it. Uh-huh. 
but yeah, in general sense, that's what it means. Obviously, there are levels of attraction, and it includes people who identify as demisexual, which means you only uh, develop a sexual attraction to someone once you already know them and you have that emotional bond already. Like I have some friends who uh, have described themselves that way. So it's it's primarily about the attraction in terms of of definition, rather than like it doesn't mean you don't have a sex drive, it doesn't mean you don't have a libido. It just means I see somebody and it's not my first instinct to think, oh yeah, I want to sleep with that. <laughs> okay, so um, do you have a sex drive? Do you have a libido? Yes, I do. Okay. And how, I mean, you only know your own, so I don't know how you would scale it. Like how strong is it? But how does it show up for you? I would say mine is fairly low. It's generally not a thing. For me, sex is something I have more like an intellectual curiosity about. I understand like the mechanics of it. And it's something that I've never experienced. And I want to know what that experience is like. Mm. But beyond that, it's not all that. Yeah. When you do have that spark of turn on or the desire for that, how do you handle it? Do you try to satisfy it? Not really. No, it's, it's something I can just ignore usually. Do you masturbate? I have in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it was nothing to write home about. Yeah. <laughs> So it's very much not a centerpiece of your life, it sounds like. No, yeah. no, not at all. All right. So um, usually I do these interviews in sort of chronological order. So let's go back to the very beginning and talk about what kinds of messages you heard in your home growing up around sex and sexuality. Very little. Um, I was very much raised in purity culture, a, tr- a traditional Christian Baptist background. Um, like to this day, I still can't really talk to any of the guys in my family about sex. Mm. Um, it's just, it's just it's, you just don't do it. Um, I think my brother has become a little bit more open to it just because we live together. So he's like, okay, so I'm going to live with another female. <laughs> <laughs> he's been really good about like trying to learn and understand, which has been awesome. But yeah, so like it was very much like my mother still gives me grief because she's like, I had to come to you to get to the sex talk. Like she always felt like I would come to her and be like, where do babies come from? She's like, you never ask the questions. Well, that's fascinating. I would not necessarily expect that kids are the ones who have to initiate that talk. No, nah, like, and I've heard a lot of people talking about how it's it's an ongoing conversation. Like yeah. you don't necessarily like. I'll take your kids and go for, away for a weekend so we can have the talk. Right. Because obviously your kid, if, especially if your kid is in public school like I was, they're getting exposed to these ideas. Other kids are going to be learning things ahead of us. So whatever we're learning, you know, shouldn't that be something that you should be talking with your kids about? Yeah. I have a colleague uh, named Justine Engfonte. And one of the things that she says is rather than having a single 100 minute talk about sex with your kids, have 100 one minute talks with your kids about sex. And I love that. And I, and I think that just normalizes it too. It keeps yeah. it from being that big, huge, awkward thing. Mm-hmm. We talk about sex. We talk about our sexuality. It's not that big a deal. It's a part of life. Yeah. 
So you said you grew up in purity culture. And Mm -hmm. my impression of purity culture is that there's actually probably a lot of talk about sex. It's just all about how sinful and bad it is. Was that not your experience? My parents were a couple of the youth leaders. I think they, they tried. They did the best they could, given that all the curricula that was out there was like true love weights and I could say goodbye, you know. But they tried to create a safe place for us in youth group where we could have these conversations. Just I don't think anybody wanted to. And we were a very small youth group, so there were literally only like maybe 12 of us uh-huh. week to week. So... They, they did do like, okay, guys, go over here. You're going to talk about this. Girls, go over here. You're going to talk about that. Uh-huh. So I only know what the girls were told. Like I said, they tried. I think they had our best interests at heart. It, it was a whole lot of sex is for marriage. You need to wait until marriage. But they, they tried to moderate it. Like like I said, I could say goodbye was a part of it. Uh-huh. I understood the whole idea of like courting versus dating, why people would see courting as like the better, more Christian option. So there are going to be people listening who don't know what courting means. So can you describe what courting is separate from dating? So courting is like, I've heard some people describe it as like dating with the intention to marry. So basically, you're holding off on like having any type of romantic relationship until you find somebody that you think, okay, yeah, I could probably marry this person. And you go into a relationship with that person with a very specific focus of we are doing this with the intention of marriage at the end, mm-hmm. as opposed to dating, which is, you know, I go on these days, I get to meet these people and figure out if that's a direction we would potentially want to go in. Mm-hmm. So did you grow up assuming that you would get married? I didn't. You know how like in high school and college, I was like, where do you see yourself in five years, in yeah. 10 years? <laughs> I never saw myself married. Like, it was always like, I'm going to be doing this job. I'm going to be living here. I'm going to be doing this. But like, marriage, it was never not an option, but it was never a priority either. Huh. Okay. And were you getting pressure from your family or your community to see yourself as someone who would get married? Um, from my family, no, mm-hmm. which I'm very thankful for. It was never like, oh, you got to marry young and start having kids. And uh-huh. like for my family, I, I never, at least I never felt that kind of pressure. It was always like, it's your life. If you get married, great. If not, also great. Mm-hmm. But then you, know, you always have those people, you know, not just in church, but wherever. Like as soon as they see you like with a friend who's the opposite gender, like what's happening? Tell me all about this. How's it going? Yeah. It's like yeah. friendship, Susan, friendship. <laughs> And did you feel pressure from some of those boys who you are friends with to do things you didn't want to do? I never did, no. Yeah. It sounds like you were pretty, even if you didn't have words to describe it, it sounds like you were pretty clear about who you were and what you wanted. And sometimes that clarity can really read out to other people so they don't even ask the questions. Never thought of it that way, but I think you might be right. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in New England. So just the fact that I went to church in the first place put me in the minority. Ah, yeah. And so I was, I just grew up being used to being like, yeah, I'm the weird one out. So (laughs) anything that might be perceived as weird or strange, like I, as I was like, okay, yeah, cool. Bring it on. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things that I was most interested in when, seeing you post, and this was actually on the asexual day of visibility, I think, 
um, was you talking about how the intersection of purity culture and asexuality meant that you were kind of in the sweet spot for your whole teenage life because you weren't supposed to be dating anyway. And then it didn't actually become something that you had to think about until you got to that age when maybe your peers were doing something different than you wanted to do. Yeah. Through all high school, like, you know, you're always worried. You always hear these stories about like teen pregnancy and kids sleeping around. So for me, that was never a thing. Like, I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine one time, right when I first realized I was ace. And he, he was like, I would think that that'd be like the goal for people in church and purity culture. Like, right. you're literally not even into this type of thing. So why would this be a problem? And it was because I was also getting some pushback from some other friends who were evangelical. And they're like, that's not right. You know, you, you should be going out there pursuing, you know, marriage and sexual relationship with your spouse. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm good. Thanks. Like, <laughs> yeah. So did you have any experiences with dating? Did you try it? Nope. So at 36, have you ever been out on a date? No. Wow. Have you ever kissed someone or been kissed by someone? No. Has anyone ever touched your body in any way that is sexual? Yes. Without okay. consent. So non-consensual. Is that something you want to talk about or no? Vaguely. Okay. How old were you? The first time was about three, three, four years ago. Oh, wow. So recent as an adult. Yeah. And then another time last, last summer. Mm. Um, what would you like to say about it? It was weird. It was, it was something I had never dealt with before. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time, both times were at work. It was two different workplaces, um, two different people. And I remember the first time, like I, I was on the phone with my mother and I was telling her what was, what was happening. And she was like, you need to tell somebody. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, this, this person like is, is a friend. Mm-hmm. It was somebody that I thought I could trust. Mm-hmm. And so I knew he was having a, a rough time at that point in his life, not just at work, just in general. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be the one to add to that. Mm. And she's like, but you have a right to be safe at work and you have autonomy to your own body. Yeah. And him coming up to you and touching you is not okay. Yeah. So I, I did report, I did end up reporting it. Mm-hmm. Um, he ended up losing his job. Um, he did reach out afterwards. He apologized, um, which I appreciated. It was one of those like, thank you. Please never talk to me again. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's regular. You hear the statistics. You hear like, why don't you think, why don't you report it? Why don't you go to somebody? And then you're in that situation and it's like, you don't want to be the cause for bringing more difficulty to your friend. Mm hmm. But it's it's still it's still a situation that has to be dealt with. Yeah. And that was the big thing for me was realizing like I don't have to enable him. Mm, yeah. I'm sorry you had to go through that.
Are you aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality? Do you hear me talk about concepts on this show and think it makes sense, but I need help applying it to my particular situation? That's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in. When you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. Together, we'll look at your needs and desires without judgment and help you figure out how to fulfill them. There is no single answer that's right for everyone, so I'm going to help you discover what's right for you. And we'll go at your pace. That's the pace that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown, while going too slow can be infuriating and exhausting. The goal is to find what's right for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like expressing your sexual desires to current or future partners, exploring if you might be queer, challenging body image insecurity in sexual relationships, dipping your toes into BDSM, exploring consensual non-monogamy, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool, exploring your sexuality for later in life virgins, and so much more. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life, and together we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. I guess I should say here, I do not have an experience of asexuality. So it's quite possible that I'm going to say something that is wildly wrong or even offensive. And if I do, I hope that you will correct me. Um, Is that okay with you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that one of the assumptions that might happen for people, uh, because I know that this happens with lesbians, is oh, well, you were somehow damaged in your youth by a man. And Mm -hmm. so that has caused you to become a lesbian. There's no such thing as actual lesbians. It's just damaged heterosexual people. Right. I have heard that. I wonder if that might be the same for people who are asexual. Is there sort of a narrative that says, oh, well, maybe you were damaged around sex as a young child. And so that's why you don't want sex now. Yeah, I, I have heard that narrative. It, it's not true for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have heard a lot of other asexual people were around on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and then also if you go, there's a organization called Asexuality Visibility and Education Network, um, or AVEN. Mm-hmm. They have like a, like a message board forum. You can go and become a member. And that's a very common narrative that you hear is, mm-hmm you know, you're just not interested in sex. You're not interested in dating. However, your story goes and people are just like, oh, well, it's because you had a bad experience. You just need to go, go back out there and, you know, get laid essentially. Yeah, let me give you the good experience so that I can change yeah. your mind. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it goes yeah. with the idea of like, well, you, you've never had a real man and that's why you're a lesbian. Exactly. You've never had real sex and that's why you're ace. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I thought it was so interesting when you said you had a, um, 
a, a non-consensual experience, I have to admit that my immediate thought was, oh, I wonder if it was as a child. And that's on me. I, I apologize for that. You're, you're fine. I'm just struck by, by how immediately my brain went to that assumption. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is asexuality or ace, mm-hmm. and then there is aromanticism or arrow. Yeah. And I'm curious for you. Uh, first of all, let's do a little education. <laughs> Would you like to explain what the difference between ace and arrow is? More definitions. Yay. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I edit books. I love definitions. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so asexuality, like I said, is a lack of sexual attraction to others, however varying levels that may take. Aromanticism or aromantics, arrows, you don't experience romantic attraction to other people. So there are some people who are aromantic, but they're not asexual, which is confusing to a lot of people. I think a lot of people will conflate sexual and romantic attraction together. It's like, I'm romantically attracted. I want to sleep with you. When there are asexual people who are completely happy having a romantic relationship, just minus the physical. Yeah. So there are asexual people who enjoy romantic relationships, and there are aromantic people who enjoy sexual relationships. Yeah. But they don't necessarily all have to happen in the same container. Right. Um, which I think is really confusing, like you said, <laughs> for a lot of people, because they'll look at someone who is a romantic and see them having sexual encounters and be like, well, that's just unethical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're just out there being slutty. Um, and then they'll look at asexual people and think, well, how could you ever have a relationship? What does a relationship even look like if that doesn't have sex? Right. And, and then just to conflate it even more, you have asexual people who will still have sex because it's fun or it feels good or their partner is allosexual, which is the opposite of asexual. Mm-hmm. And so they want to make their partner happy. And so it's like, it's this whole, like, you remember those, like, diagrams they would show you when you took, like, basic genetics in science class? And they would uh-huh. have, like, here are these chromosomes going across the top from one partner and the chromosomes from the other partner going across yeah. the side. And here are the potential mixes. Like, that's how yes. I see it. Yeah. So do you identify where do you identify on the romantic scale do you identify as aromantic or would you like to have a romantic relationship i am open to the possibility of a romantic relationship this is something like you and i were talking before we started recording this is something i've kind of been kind of working through yeah um but for now i'm kind of seeing myself as demi-romantic which means I'm interested in a romantic relationship once I get to know the person and that kind of emotional friendship bond is already there. Some people would just call me very hesitant. Um, <laughs> but it's like, no, it's like, I can, I can't say there, granted there have been very few, but there are guys that I've had a crush on. Mm-hmm. And so I would also accept a label of like hetero romantic. Okay. Yeah. I'm not interested in girls that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like I said, I've literally no experience in any of this. So. Yeah. So if you th- sort of try to project your brain into what a romantic asexual relationship might look like for you, what does it include? Does it include cuddling? Does it include kissing? Does it potentially include sex, just not the way that many of us would think of it? 
for me, the perfect date is the most literal translation of Netflix and chill you can think of. <laughs> like, it's literally, I, I am the happiest sitting on the couch, cuddled up, blanket, watching Sherlock. Yeah. Do you enjoy physical touch with other people? I do. So cuddling is, is good. Very much on the table. Yeah. Okay. Hugs are amazing. The, the last uh-huh. two years have been miserable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh-huh. And what about the idea of kissing someone or, like, a light makeout session? Does that hold any desirability for you or no? Not opposed. Um, at the moment, if for no other reason than, again, it's something I've never experienced and I'd like to know what it's like. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's on the table. Yeah. I, I would not, okay. I would not discount it. When you see, um, a scene on TV or in a movie where characters are having a heavy makeout session, does that prompt any feelings in you? You? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like there's this line in Princess Diaries where Mia's watching the other guy who she has a crush on kissing his girlfriend and her her friend Lily is like, What, haven't you ever seen two people exchange saliva before? Like <laughs> like I'm I'm sure they're enjoying it, but cool. Like that's all I see. Yeah, yeah, wow. So how much have you talked with your parents about all of this? I've tried probing it with my mother and she, I think she kind of conflated asexuality with celibacy or with abstinence. She's like, are you asexual or is it you just haven't had experience? Uh-huh. Um, which to a point is a valid point, but at the same time, I don't have to hug a cactus to know I don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't have to have sex to know that I'm not sexually attracted to people. Yeah. Do you have any of that conversation from your parents about like, when are you going to give us grandchildren or when are you going to get married? Like, is that pressure that you get from friends or family? Not really. I have talked to my parents and especially my mom about the idea. Like I asked her once, I think it was like a couple years ago. I said, do you feel like I'm cheating you by not by not having kids. Yeah. But I have told her I, I do not want children. And that's something I've known since high school. And she said, yeah, she thinks the idea of being a grandma is great, but she doesn't want me to have a kid because I think she wants me to have a kid. Uh-huh. Which was a huge relief. Yeah. She says, I want you to have a child because you want to have a child. Mm-hmm. Which is huge. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really do appreciate that. And I really appreciated having that conversation with her. It's not a conversation that's easy to have with your mom. At least not for me. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I love my parents. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's not that I think they're, they're not safe places. I'm just not sure how that conversation would go. Mm. I think about having the conversation with my mom about not wanting children. Because I, I never wanted kids. And I was my mom's only child. And she had, her response was, I don't really care. Like, all I want is for you to be happy. And that was such a, 
like you said, such a relief Mm -hmm. and such a weight off. But then I also was so frustrated by the friends who would have kids and then be like, Oh, you're, you're going to be such a great mother. And you just don't even know that you want to be a mother until you have one. And then it's going to be amazing and you're going to love them. And I was like, (laughs) I don't want kids. And that is, that is a valid choice too. <laughs> yeah. And like, cause I mean, I, I, I do love kids. I do. I, do. Yeah. I have friends who have kids. I, I will kill for those children. Mm. Like I adore them. I also like giving them back to mom and dad. Yes. Like, I've been visiting a new church recently and I asked them very specifically, like, where are places that, you know, I'd be able to serve? Should I end up coming here a little bit more permanently? And I said, please do not say children's ministry. And I said, I like kids. I'm not necessarily very good with them, and I very much like giving them back. So I would prefer to work somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) I remember one time, I was was holding my friend's one-month-old daughter, and everybody at church was like, "Oh my gosh, you look so natural with a baby! Like, just wait till you have one." Like, same thing. I'm just like, "Yeah, Yeah. thanks." Like, I I don't want to have kids. Why would I have a child? Potentially fuck that child up for life. To find right. out I don't want kids after all. Right. Like, oh I'm my not, God. I'm not going to screw with a person's life like that. <laughs> exactly. Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. Two are free. And one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one. Take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post, and if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening, the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex, I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, if you have the resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. Plus, I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing, there is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you. Whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener, I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. 
Now, let's get back to the show. What is your relationship with your body like? And I ask this from the point of view that many of us who were brought up as little girls were brought up to very much care how other people saw our bodies because we were meant to be sexual objects. Mm -hmm. If you did not see yourself as a sexual object or the object of sexual interest, how did that affect your relationship with how you see your body? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm not entirely sure how I ever saw my relationship with my body. Like, it was there. Mm. Um, I think my entire life has always been kind of like, yeah, I'd like to lose some weight, but it was never that much of a huge priority. Like, I never had an ideal weight or size or Mm -hmm. figure type. I, I I like eating too much. <laughs> and we were saying before we started recording that you were a fan of the baked goods. <laughs> Very much. I have bread rising right now. <laughs> awesome. I, and I guess the flip side of that is certainly there have been people who have been attracted to you because that's just the way the world works. When people are attracted to you, are you aware of it? And how does it make you feel? If they were, they didn't tell me. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, if anybody ever tried flirting with me, I was completely oblivious. Yeah. I don't know. The only time I've ever had a guy flat out say he was attracted was five years after the fact when he was calling me an idiot for believing in God. Oh. Which you can imagine is a massive turnoff. That's unfortunate. <laughs> Yeah. So it's, it is so not a part of your worldview that you are not even aware when other people are, are thinking. Pretty much. Way. Yeah. Like they'll be like, I'll oh, just go over and flirt with that guy too. I can like, I, I don't know how mm. I can go over. I can, I'll be friendly. I'll be polite. I don't know how to flirt. Like it's <laughs> at this point, I'm just a lost cause. <laughs> if I wasn't allergic to cats, I'd be that crazy cat lady. <laughs> so I'm kind of at the end of the questions that I know to ask, mm-hmm. but I guess I want to open the floor to you to say, what do you, what do you wish I were asking? What would you like allosexual people to know? We're not broken. Mm. You don't need to fix us. Just because somebody says they're ace or ace back or however you want to phrase it, it doesn't mean we're not interested. At the very least, we're probably interested in friendship. Hmm be our friends, support us. And especially if I can to people in the church who, you know, they have this expectation a lot of times, you know, you'll be married by your 20, by the time you're 25. Mm -hmm. If you're still single past that, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Um, We serve a single savior. Jesus never got married. The guy we like to quote from the Bible most is Paul. He was single and encouraged people to stay single. (laughs) So it frustrates me the most when they just completely blow past the single population, regardless of whether or not they're single because they're asexual or single because of other reasons. You know, for me, it's like, I'm here. I'm single. If I'm identifying as asexual, it also means I'm queer. Hmm. And I've spent my entire life having to carve out my own place in the church, regardless of whichever church I've been going to. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm fine with that. I'm used to it. 
not everybody is. Mm -hmm. If we're willing to serve a single savior, then what's keeping us from accepting the single people in our lives and saying, yes, you are whole, you are valid, you are seen. Just let us be your friend. Yeah. I love that. Um, are you open with people in your church about your asexuality? Um, I've been kind of church hopping for the last several months, mm-hmm. if I'm honest. And one of the reasons I did leave the last church I was attending is because comments were made, things were done that showed me that that church was not a safe place for anybody in the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. I was actually talking with a friend one Sunday before service, and I was talking about a conversation I had had with somebody on the asexuality forums. Somebody else comes walking in literally no, like, excuse me, or I couldn't help but hear, but walks over, says, homosexuals won't be in heaven. You know that, right? And walks away. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, what the frick just happened? Yeah. One, one, not even what we were talking about. Two, ballsy of you to just walk into a conversation and do that. Yeah. And it's like, if he's saying that that openly, what else is happening here? Mm-hmm. And what is happening that is causing this place to not be a safe place? Like, I have friends who are, who are gay, lesbian, trans. Every letter. Yeah. If I don't feel like I can bring them to a church, that's probably not a good church. Mm-hmm. That was one of my reasons for leaving that church. But I've been open with certain people. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a judgment call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What else would you like to say about asexuality? What, uh, what other things, what other stories do I not know how to ask about? Because I don't even know that they're there. There are people on Twitter who are even, like, I, I wouldn't consider myself an asexual advocate. I simply am ace, and I'm willing to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people on Twitter who are very much advocates for the asexual community, and they can tell you far more than I could about about asexuality, and I'm just here. Yeah. But, I mean, if you have questions, ask. You know, we're we're not... I think the ace community is at the point we don't care. The fact that you are asking shows us that you care. Mm-hmm. And so like, just ask questions. Don't make assumptions. Yeah. There, there are resources out there. If you have questions. Well, so uh, you have mentioned that um, there is an asexual Twitter. Mm-hmm. And if there are people who are listening to this, who are thinking, Oh, I am hearing some things that I kind of identify with. What are some of the hashtags or the people who you would consider following or searching for on Twitter? Um, I mean, the easiest way is just hashtag asexuality. Okay. Um, that's a fairly frequently used one. Um, it's particularly for people who might be Christian and thinking they're ace. Um, my friend Jenna DeWitt is a fantastic resource for this. Kind of stuff. She has a whole resources list um, oh. that you can check out um i've used it myself she's arrow ace aromantic asexual there's a uh, one link i used when i first started looking for a new church but there's this whole website that will tell you if churches in your area are lgbt affirming or not Hmm. links on what asexuality is stories from ace people 
it's calculated that we make up approximately 1% of the population. 1% is still millions of people. So there's still, there's a lot of us. Yeah. But yeah, she's, she's a fantastic resource. Um, another advocate I follow is, um, her name is Elle. I think her Twitter handle is like Secret Lady Spider or something like that. Um, she does a lot of writing. She has a lot of articles out there about asexuality. Really good stuff out there. And then, I mean, the ultimate one I can always do is asexuality.org. I said that poorly. Let me try again. Asexuality.org. Okay. Um, it's, it was founded back in 2001, I think. The founder is asexual. He started a forum so that other ace people could gather online and just have places of support. Like I said, there's a message board there. I joined this particular board. It's literally like, hey, if you're willing to open your DMs and just chat with people, you don't even have to talk about asexuality. Just people looking for other ace friends. Mm-hmm. And you can start up a conversation with somebody and get to know somebody who you know they're probably not looking to hook up. Yeah. So that's a really great resource. They have articles, they have message boards, they have videos, educational resources, like so much stuff there. Are you familiar with relationships between ACE people and ALO people that are working? Like, is that a thing that happens? It is. Um, I have heard of it. I don't necessarily have any firsthand experience sure. it, but um, I have, I have heard stories mm-hmm. of it happening. I imagine, and this is just a guess. Um, I imagine that there might be some level of openness in those relationships so that the allosexual person is getting their sexual needs met outside of that dynamic. Right. It could be that. Um, also, like I said, some, some asexual people do have a sex drive and mm-hmm. yeah, this is fun. I feel good. Let's, let's do it anyway. Yeah. Um, so I would imagine a relationship like that would like, like any relationship, it requires communication and openness and honesty and just being mm-hmm. like, look, I'm not attracted to you this way. I will probably never be attracted to you in this way. If you're cool with that, let's go. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I will make sure that all of those resources you just mentioned are in the show notes. Do you want to share your Twitter handle with people so they can find you? I'm sure it's uh, K.R. Talls, as in the opposite of short, <laughs> K-R-T-A-L-L-S. Um, it's a play on my name. I'm not original. So, <laughs> Okay, terrific. Kristen, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I really appreciate you. Thank you. I, I appreciate you reaching out. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. 
Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Good Girls Talk for more sex positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life. <laughs>